Bottom line up front, there is always more to learn. Welcome to Timelines of Success, Episode 85. Well, without further ado, let's get into Morton Rand Hendrickson's Part 2 of his timeline and find out if he's using a Mac or PC. Morton, welcome to Timelines of Success. Hello. It's good that we have the famous Morton here, who is the special WordPress master from Linda, of course. That's where he's well known. And we're going to learn a little bit about his journey. We also have Jonathan with us because we just finished up a WP Tonic. We're going to do like five minutes journey and go to 10 minutes more tech and then into the bluff questions because we're going to continue on with WP Tonic's part two because that was so interesting. So you're going to have to go back and pick up WP Tonic, probably episode 15, 16, somewhere in there. And uh, it'll, it'll be good. So Jonathan, welcome back. We had an interesting discussion, WP Tonic. We certainly did, and um, we dealt um, um, all the heat mail that's going to come to the W. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to forward to Bolton. Uh, um, I'm going to deny any responsibility for any of it. But no, it wasn't that bad. If you've stayed on with this podcast now, you're going to get a great show because let's find out who Morton is. I know you're in Norway, and how did you get to Canada? Oh, or was it you just too many PhDs in Norway? Um. I needed a change. Uh, I was um, I was actually really heavily involved in politics uh, oh when gosh. I was back in Norway, and um, I was uh, I realized that if I stayed, I would you know choose to go down a path that would lead me into some sort of public office somewhere, and it wasn't making me into a very happy person. It was making me into a very frustrated and angry person because. Politics is frustrating. It's just you've, you're very passionate about how you think s- things should happen, and they don't. And when you really get embroiled in politics, you realize you start seeing why things are the way they are. It's usually not because you know you have evil politicians that try to you know screw you over. It's actually because there are many different ways of doing everything, and everyone has their own ideas. And in the end, it it's all limited by you know uncontrollable factors like money and uh, time and uh, a huge population. So it just got too frustrating. And I had an opportunity to, um, to uh, I was like finishing a stint uh, at a job and I was like, I can actually just cut and run and just go somewhere else. And I have family ties in Canada. And I just, uh, you know, I met a lovely woman in Canada that I wanted That's to- That's the real reason. <laughs> that I wanted to pursue. So it all kind of the just, reason. you know, and everything fits perfectly together. Yeah. That's what happened. So, so I ended how, up there. How long have you been in Canada? I came here in 2002. So that would be okay. 12 years. Right. Was it tough to get here? Went no. to get the paperwork and because the education, I'm sure you're well educated coming from Norway because I had, I work in civil general engineering and actually I know a few Norwegian engineers who have come to the United States because they're so well educated. Yeah. I can't really comment on how that system works. All I'll say is uh, the uh, w- the application process of g- becoming a landed immigrant, which is basically you have a permanent resident status, mm-hmm. um, and then you wait a long time, and then you can become a citizen if you right. want to. Um, the process takes a really long time, uh, but it takes a really long time because it's a process that's really top heavy. So you send in your application and it takes like six, six to eight months before anyone looks at it because there's right. so many people. And after that, it was supposed to take a very long time. It did not take a very long time. 
So uh, very good, very good. So driving on, tell tell the listener exactly what you do and how you interact with Linda and how you got there from WordPress to being one of the top WordPress instructors at Linda. Sure. So <laughs> I'm. I mentioned this in the previous thing we were doing that I'm not actually, my background is not in web design. Web design is something I fell into uh, at random because it was actually because I used to work uh, part-time as a photographer. And this was back in the late 90s, early 2020s. And I wanted to make a website and I had a really specific idea about what I wanted to do. And I would pass it on to people who claim to know how to do things on the web. And I would design things and then give it to them. And then they would return something that was nowhere near in any way what I designed. And I'd be like, what is this? And they'd say, that's what you designed. And I would have this, I'm sorry, did you remove your eyes? What is going on here? This is not an, absolutely not what I gave you. And I realized after a while that, uh, you know, the technology part of it was just not <laughs> uh, like they, they were so focused on the technology part, they were just ignoring the design. So I, you know, in a super arrogant way, said, "Screw it, I'm doing it myself." Right. Um, so I just started building my own websites. Now this was back in the uh, this is early 2000. So this was back in Flash days. Okay. Yeah. And so I became a Flash developer. I was a Flash developer for a long time. I built um, a very early like video player for Flash that actually had a you know, a tracking scroll. And this was back when you had to import MOV files into Flash and then keyframe the movies to get them to play. And you had to write this enormous pile of action script just to track this, this stupid cursor so that it would follow. I did all that stuff. I actually figured out how to do it myself. Um, and then at some point, I realized, oh, I'm shipping websites that have zero presence. When you go into the source code, all there is is a Swift file. And then everything else is machine logic on the back end. So no, like Google can't see what's here. Um, and I took that as an early sign that, hmm, this is not going to last very long. So I just abandoned Flash completely. I just said like from one day to the next, nope, not doing Flash anymore. This is, this is going to fail in the future. So I decided to build custom website from scratch. And then I was on ASP.net at the time and I built a lot of ASP websites. <laughs> I see Jonathan really <laughs> loves both Flash and ASP. This is a podcast. We got some, um, we also... I, I think it's time for confession, actually. The, the Flash thing was how I got into, and I, I had a love affair with Flash and I still have. Flash is uh, awesome as an animation platform, which is what it was designed to do. Not so good for the no, web. No, so, but, but there's some... I got there was some Japanese web developers that were doing some amazing oh, yeah. cre- creative work in Flash, and there's one I forgot his name, and he did some, you know, some of those intros as uh-huh. the website was loaded up in the background. And it, I had so much, so many insanely heavy intros on these sites yeah, with all man. the crazy stuff going on. Yeah, but some of his work it was literally art. It yep. was, it, you know, and that's gone now. In some ways, I missed that. It was creative, but it had to go, really, didn't it? <laughs> had nothing to do with content. That was just <laughs> pure experience for no reason. Uh, well, anyway, so I, I went from .NET, and I realized, you know, this is cumbersome and stupid. So I started looking at CMSs, and then I cycled through all of them. So I went through Mambo, Joomla, Drupal, uh, <laughs> Movable Type. Like, I, I did all of it. And then... <laughs> 
at some point, probably oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit nauseous. <laughs> yeah, now I look droopal. I, I stumbled upon WordPress uh, really early on, and I was like, "Huh, this isn't clunky and crazy like all these other things are." And at the time, I was actually just looking for something where my clients couldn't destroy the site from the admin panel. Define, define in, early, real fast. When was early? Because uh, WordPress really like got popular in the last three or four years. 2004, 2006. So before it got popular, basically. Yeah, it was in the very, very, like when WordPress looked like absolute garbage. <laughs> when you were installing it, well, oh, I'm not sure this is the right path down, but I'm going to just follow this and see where it leads me. Um, but the reason why I started was because Joomla, Drupal, Mambo all had this a capacity where you could install um, uh, extensions or just add widgets that would actually like, tank the site. You put the wrong thing in the wrong place and everything just falls apart and explodes. And, you know, you, you, I spent so much time building in blocks for the customers. Like, you can't touch all this stuff here, so I'm going to go hide it away over here so you can't see it. And then WordPress popped up and it was like, oh, well, you can't destroy anything here unless you really, really try. And then I decided, you know, this, this makes sense. So I'll start, I started building some small client projects on WordPress that just needed a couple of pages and some content management. And I got bit by the bug. And then, you know, it just snowballed from there. Uh, now, my involvement with Linda is super random because I, um, at the same time, I was uh, a beta tester for Microsoft. So I was working with uh, their then product line called uh, Expression, the Expression Suite. So you had Expression Blend and Web and uh, all these other things. Now, Expression Web is actually, to date, the best IDE ever built. Oh, um, It was uh, completely misunderstood by Microsoft uh, because it was a fantastic open source web development platform. Uh, it worked really well with PHP. It was the first IDE to ship with standards-based HTML5 and CSS3 built in. Um, and had full like semantic support for everything and would actually refuse to publish anything unless it passed standards tests and stuff like that, which was really revolutionary and no one has ever done it since. Um, and I wrote books on it and I had like the top rated Amazon book for a while on Expression Web and that was a lot of fun. And then um, I made a video about it and then some someone saw the video and they were like, hey, we want him to do some stuff. And then, you know, things happened and then somehow I got in touch with Linda and then... Uh, they brought me in to do some WordPress stuff. And in the beginning, it was like, sure, I'll do a WordPress course. And can then I, I when I did that, I was like, oh, I'll do another one. And then... Can I, can I ask something, Morton? Um, yeah. uh, so do you regularly meet Linda? Um, I, so? She she works at Carpentria, where the headquarters is. Yeah, so, so she seems to say that she seems an interesting lady. is a slightly understatement, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think um, Linda, the real person, is probably one of the most important people in web, uh, in just web design and development in general, and specifically in ed education. Her story is amazing. She basically took the idea of teaching people how to do things all the way from I'm going to write a book to I'm going to do classroom instruction to how about we move the classroom instruction online, to why don't we just distribute this in the library, to we can change the way everyone learns this. Wasn't she, that's like where eight, we are now. 18, 20 years ago, wasn't she saying we should transition to online? Something like that. It was a long time ago. And she's been yeah, working you know, on she's, it. For a... she's, she's been in the business. If you 
go in uh, the library, go to any library and look up the, the web design section. You'll find these books that say H-O-T on them, hot hands-on training. Yeah. I mean, she's been doing this for a long, longer than anybody I know uh, yeah. and, and, and succeeded. I, I, I am deeply honored to get to work for a company that is founded on with like by such a great person because there's 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 you know there are visionaries in the world and i actually work for one of those visionaries and that's kind of uh, crazy there's actually uh interviews because she doesn't do many interviews does she but there's actually an interview on this week in startups um where she's interviewed by catus um and uh it's quite extent she talks about her early days and her whole because he's interviewing her because um about a couple of years ago she got substantial um investment mm -hmm. from a vc um to build up her business but she talks uh, in quite some extent the early days and what led her into online education and it it's fascinating it she was literally forced into it in some ways because because of the early um 2000s the collapse in in silicon valley and she needed to broaden her audience and it was kind of her husband suggested it to her and then they got into it and it's a fascinating story actually i would highly recommend it to people yeah, Go ahead. It's just, you know, training people outside of a classroom, but in a classroom setting is, is the key here. It's just, you know, if you run any kind of, you know, like if you've ever been to a conference or anything like that, the second the group of people goes above 12, it becomes almost impossible to make sure everyone's understanding everything. And moving information onto the web in an understandable way and a consumable way uh, and especially educational information is something that she pioneered and has been able to make into something that is truly like spectacular. And there's a whole industry built up around it that she kickstarted. So there's, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's the, you know, that thing when people say they have to pinch themselves, I have to do that. When I, when I sit there and I'm like, what is it I'm doing? You know, I put up a course on Linda and then it's like, oh, look, 46,000 people watched it. What? Yep, I've seen your course. Hey, <laughs> driving on, on on a Linda question, one more follow-up. We're going to go to the bottom line of front questions. What, your experience at Linda, what have you learned? What's been the most important thing you learned while working at Linda? <laughs> one thing? I mean, well, <laughs> what are the top couple few things? And that'll be the last question. We'll go into the, the timeline sure. questions. Sure, so... Uh, I think the most important thing I've learned is that uh, actually teaching people in in as in helping them understand something rather than being able to regurgitate what you just said is a real challenge. Not because the subject matter is hard, but because different people learn in different ways. There's no, there is no way of saying, if I just present it like this, everyone will understand it. Um, and I think that's also some, one of the failures of the current type of education that we have in general, like in schools, that it's very much based on this idea that if you give people material and tell them stuff, they will somehow magically be able to store that in their brains in a usable way so that they can recall it and use it in some fashion later on. Whereas in reality, you know, there are as many ways of learning as there are 
and finding that finding a way to really convey information to people on a broad scale so that the majority of them will understand what you're doing is surprisingly challenging and also really rewarding because it requires you to not understand what you're doing. No, <laughs> it requires you to not know what you're doing, but understand what you're doing. I'm sure you've seen that graphic, right? With the dots. And then it's circulating all over the web. It's like, it, there's a bunch of dots and squares and it says, this is um, uh, knowledge. And then there's another graph that shows um, uh, the dots, but there's lines in between them and it says, this is experience, right? It was circulating all over the web a while ago. Um I hate that graph because it's completely misleading. Experience doesn't give you anything that knowledge doesn't give you. And knowledge and experience are not goals in and of themselves. What you need is understanding. Right. So that you not only know that it exists and have the experience of having seen it work a multitude of times, but know why it works. So you can say, rather than saying, I, I'm doing the same thing I did before that worked every other time, but now for some reason it's not working anymore. Say, it doesn't work. But what I'm trying to do is actually something else and I'm just using this tool to make it happen. So if it's not working, I need to find some other way to do the same thing. And it's that understanding component that often gets lost and finding ways of, of um, nurturing that understanding is what I'm working on now, which is... You know, that's, that's what, I'm, what I've gotten out of this is really investing time in understanding something and then, under, and then figuring out how to communicate that understanding to someone else and help them bridge the gap so that they don't have to go through the journey you did to get there. Right, right. Now, I won't go into detail about what I'm working on right now, but something more basic than what you just said, it's just to transition a lot of people, older generations, me, Mm-hmm. into this new generation. I've been in computers for 20 some odd years since they showed up. Yeah. But there's a lot of us are still back in pop email land, exchange servers. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole different change of culture and it's moving so fast. But we can't really go into that now. Let me go into the bottom line up front questions. And this right. is part of the show. So do you use a Mac or PC? And <laughs> what type of phone do you have? Um, so I have... <laughs> I have... A PC. <laughs> oh, I'm all, I'm all Windows. Oh. Yeah, I'm you remember Windows. Microsoft, of course. I could, I could start the biggest fight right now over this. You're probably really uh, good at Windows 8. You can slide. You know. uh, I. I thought you were a nice person, Walter. <laughs> Keep on going. Go. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Win- I am. I've always been with Windows. Um, uh, people used to say that you know I hated Mac because I don't own a Mac. I actually have a Mac too, yeah. and I still hate it, and it's still a terrible computer. Uh, There's pros well, and cons. Uh, no, so so what I'll say is this: What kind of Mac? Um, what kind of Mac do you have? Like a 1983? Uh, desktop? No, this is a this is a Air SSD. MacBook Pro. Oh, MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. The latest Pro. mountain Solid range suit. running on it. I don't know which mountain range. <laughs> which part of California is running on it? Which part of California ice on top? Yeah, um, yeah. But, you, you know, I used to live really uh, close there. L- let me, let me just, you know, people know me as the Mac hater. It's kind of a thing, but but it's because when I when I started going to WordPress conferences, I, this true story. And this has happened multiple times, so it's not just like an anecdotal thing that happened once. I would go to WordPress conferences and talk. I would bring out my computer and people would literally walk up to me as I was speaking saying, you have a PC, you're not a real web, you're not a real WordPress. 
So whereupon I'd be like, you do understand WordPress runs on a Linux mm. server, right? That the, what you're saying is so absurd. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, but, you know, for me, Windows makes more sense. Uh, for other people, Mac makes more sense. The only beef I have with um, with uh, Mac or more generally with Apple is that there's no variety in it at all. It's this, you know, we're all unique. I mean, the, the proliferation of stickers on MacBooks and the fact that Apple is now actually running an ad based around the fact people have to put stickers on their MacBook to make it look individual is absurd. Like, you don't see that this... <laughs> I, I go at conferences and take pictures of people's computers because I think it's neat to see all these collages of stickers. But that's for a reason. It's because every computer looks exactly the same. I have this crazy Acer computer oh, Acer. yeah yeah, yeah. that's like ones. super thin and yeah, it yeah. folds in all sorts of uh -huh. ways and has touchscreen and everything yeah. and it weighs nothing it's super awesome and when i take it out people are like whoa what is that and then oh it's a windows computer uh, you're not a professional developer <laughs> start sliding back and forth. you know so what as they, for phone yeah. i have this iMac. I mean uh, iphone no it's uh it's a, it's a, a nexus Samsung? 4 oh nexus 4 oh, oh nexus 4 you're really you're really there whoa <laughs> Nexus 4, soon to have Lollipop on it. I'm still waiting. So when I upgrade, I will get a, either a Nexus 5 or, no, a Nexus 6 or possibly a Galaxy Note. I'm not entirely sure if I'll commit to that crazy uh, Samsung universe, but I actually really want the um, pen feature because I do a lot of bug testing on mobile, uh, mobile browsers and okay. the ability to draw on something as he like this button here needs to go away. Like I just want that feature. Yep, you can do that work anywhere with that. I would take it. You yeah. know, one one thought is a couple of years ago when I transitioned from PCs over to Mac, it was when I came off a five year special working with the military for five years, uh -huh. and I wanted to go into this business. And it took me a while to get used to the Mac, and I, I really do like it. I like the hardware; it's fast, it's stable. I like the that we have the same platform that the Microsoft has kept that platform both on the tablet and on the PC. Mm -hmm. I think there's potential there, and that it's sort of blending everything together in the screen. Um, so touch screen right is good. now, oh, I am good. talking to you running Windows 8 on my MacBook Pro. Right, right <laughs> just right. just so it's clear. It's kind of you, know. you see some old PCs behind us that we still use. So, well, funny, as funny. a web developer, you have to be platform agnostic. Right, Anyone right, who right. says like you can only do it on one or the other is kind of crazy because the reality is you have no control over the end user. This goes for browsers right. and platform. You don't control the end user and you have no, your job is not to police how people use the internet. Your job is to convey the message to the user however the user wants to access that information on their iPhone, with, some, with a cassette deck, with a browser on their 15-year-old computer, whatever. You're supposed to provide that information to them. That sounds painful. I come up to tell people, no, no, you're on the wrong system, right? When I see all those people who are like, they put these big banners up that says, you know, oh, why are you running IE? You're stupid. It's like, seriously? No, you're failing at your job here. This is not your job. You know, you're not the internet police. If you have that job, I'd like to know how you got it. But, you know, until then, you're a web developer. You provide web content yeah, right. so we're going to yeah, go through the next go ahead Jonathan yeah I just want to quickly say that I, t I totally agree with most of what you said Morton but I do think my only criticism of Microsoft is I think 
their approach um, to IE led in some ways, but also it was hardware driven. But anachronism. You're making an anachronism. You have to remember what was actually going on at that time. Yeah, but, right. Yes, there but, was there was only two browsers, and the other one was worse. Yeah. The only difference was that the other one wasn't an a system installed browser. Right. What Microsoft the mistake Microsoft made was that they built Explorer, the file explorer and the web explorer into one package and that's also why you can't simply upgrade because they're actually I, like, uh, can I the you browser is stuck in the operating system yeah. itself so yeah. it's it's you know it's it's a it's a technical error made what 20 years ago that is still haunting them today yeah i i, so, I, I, I see where you're coming but i actually wasn't talking about that actual period i'm talking about the period where the iphone came out and there was a, a time where, you know, it looked like the browser was going to be the main mechanism that uh, you would, you'd run apps in. And then suddenly apps come out. And I know it's, you know, to do with resources, um, processing power. But I, I see also an enormous step back that you have different apps for different platforms mm-hmm. where, but where you've got a browser that's universal, that should be able to run most of the app, everything yeah, you yeah. want. Why, you know, you've ended up with a situation that, to me, is going back to the 80s, where you got an app on the Android, you got an app on the mm-hmm. Apple, and you got an app on, on Windows phone. It's- this is, this like, what you're broaching on is actually one of the biggest challenges our industry is facing right now, which is that, uh, you know, we've been fighting since the inception of the web for web standards. Last year, uh, the web standards project actually stood up and said, our work is done. You know, now all the browser manufacturers are actually collaborating. One week after that, Google announced that they were breaking off from WebKit to do their own thing, right? And then now it's like, do you remember a couple of years ago, there was a Wired magazine front page that said the web is dead. And they were talking about how um, Mark Zuckerberg wants to make Facebook into the web. So everything is happening on Facebook. So if you have an Android phone and you install the latest Facebook app, if you visit a URL from a Facebook post, you don't go to your web browser. You go to the Facebook web browser on your phone, right? And you have to actively go in and say, no, I don't want the damn Facebook browser. I want my regular browser. Otherwise, you're just stuck in Facebook land, right? So there's a the battle that was happening at the beginning of the web where people were trying to make the web only one browser. So you had to use certain technologies to access it. That's happening right now with all these different things. Like everything is app-based. And you have the web standards people who are trying to push everything to uh, to the web and then the companies are trying to put everything in apps because that gives them control. Um, and the, the, in the middle, you have the regular user who has no idea what's going on. And they're like, well, I guess I'll install this thing and I don't understand why it's not working. And there's no real uh, way of controlling it. So us as web people, our duty to the people we work for, which are the human beings who use the internet, our actual duty is to make sure that everything stays on the web and does not get find, get confined in apps so that it becomes inaccessible, right? And that's a tough challenge because that, re- that means we are relying on web browsers 
and that the web browser companies play nice with each other and stick to standards and ensure that they don't, you know, build walled gardens around everything they do. And they all really want to. You know, if you give them a chance, they'll build a wall immediately. So it's our job to make sure they do that. So when, you know, if you go to a web conference now, uh, a lot of people will talk about uh, Flexbox or they'll talk about um, the picture element or source set or sizes or all these new technologies or grid or all these new crazy things you can do, right? Web components and God knows what. Um, and a lot of developers and designers will be like, yeah, I can't really use that because it's not being supported. The reality is the only reason why we're now using HTML5, even though HTML5 won't be ratified for another couple of years, is that someone, so the leading forces of the web, Zeldman and you know Will2 and all these people just said, screw it. We're not going to wait for you guys to figure this out. We'll just start using HTML5 in a consistent way and pave the cow path so that you can't build walls. So what we need to do now is look at what's coming up like media queries version 3.0 that allows us to uh, sense ambient light on websites, make websites that use responsive images the way they're supposed to be used. You build websites with grid and flexbox and all this crazy stuff that's coming and do it in a consistent way so that once the browsers realize, oh crap, everyone's already using this. So we can't make up stuff. We have to do it the way they do it. Otherwise they'll be pissed off, right? That way, we'll keep control. Otherwise, we'll just lose it to Facebook. That's very good. And you know, I'm going to drive on with the next three questions and just have you answer them. But just comment HTML5 for the listener out there. That's that's important stuff to understand, to start grasping at least, to see those changes that are going to come. I have no opinions on anything, by the way. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think we left, we lost Bill a long time. You know, I, I, you know, my timelines are beating their heads against the wall, but I do know that HTML is important. Hey, I'm going to mention something before the questions, just so people know in the timeline, we didn't get into your education, yep. but your education is primarily in liberal arts. Wasn't yep. it in social sciences? Yeah, philosophy. Philosophy. That's that's why you are who you are. I get, that's your core. Mm -hmm. And you've evolved and you've applied all these other things. Like, And you probably played with Lego when you were little. Yeah. <laughs> philosophy is, uh, if you talk to anyone who's spent an inordinate amount of time with me, they will tell you that everything in my brain ties in some way to philosophy. Yeah. We're going to, uh, we're going to get back to that. Cause I'll mention yeah. that at the start. So three, three more questions. We'll drive through to the final section. All right. What's your favorite technology? What? What is your favorite technology? Like of all technology, what technology do you think? Yeah. What do you like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is a really vague. I would say web technology, but that's too lame. So what I'll say instead is, um, so amp, guitar, so amp, amp, guitar amp modulation technology and what is happening in that space right now oh, yeah. is so mind-boggling. Have you seen that thing where you just you get you hook a microphone up to this box? I forget what it's called. It's a um, profiling amp. So you plug the profiling amp into a regular guitar amp from like 1950, and then you plug a mic into it, and then you just let the profiling amp make a lot of noise from the machine, and then the profiling amp will record the sound pattern that comes out of the 1950s amp and be able to modulate the sound from your guitar through it to make it sound like that. So instead of you having to like go to Mushroom Studios in Vancouver to play their you know, 1950s amp that Jimi Hendrix stomped his foot through in the 60s, you can just go there, rent it for an hour and just set it up with this profiling amp and record it. And then you have a perfect replica 
in a computer that you can then take home and then you can play something that sounds exactly like what's coming out of that. The technological advancement necessary to build this stuff is so insane. I can't even wrap my head around it. I don't know that's what you call my it. my favorite technology. Would you say that's digital sound concepts, com system software? It's just, uh, what is it? Mind-blowing. I need to wear a helmet all the time yeah. when I'm around technology <laughs> like that. So, driving on, what quote best motivates you? What You're a philosopher. Quotes? There's got to be a quote out there that some philosopher that you just like adore. Uh, how does it go? Um, life is irreconcilable. It does not add up. But unless we pretend with ourselves that it does, we can't make choices. We can't live. That is a quote from uh, The Ground Beneath Her Feet by Salman Rushdie. Oh, very good. It's something that he said. It's an actual really... It may it means way more than it sounds like, and it's like a random sentence. I met him once because uh, I was working on a TV show, and I showed him my book, and I said, "See, I underlined this when he wrote it." And he's like, "What? <laughs> that quote of all the things? That's what you picked out of this book?" Where, where'd you meet him? Well, I was working on a TV show, and he was a guest. Oh, how long? Where, I mean, he's like has to be underground half the time, it seems. Yep. Yeah, he's a amazing, amazing individual. And the last question from the bottom line up front: What's your favorite author and book? Uh, I'll pick two, one academic and one not. Okay, very good. Right. Very so good. for leisure, I read everything um, uh, Peter F. Hamilton ever wrote. He is the absolute best science fiction author. Why they haven't made TV shows out of his stuff yet, I have no idea. But that's a crime against humanity. That stuff should be made TV shows out of. If you want to get into Stephen F. Hamilton, you go pick up the Commonwealth Saga. There's two books. The first one is called Judas Un no, the first one is called Pandora Star. The second one is called Judas Unchained. Unbelievable stuff. You read it, it's riveting and extremely well written. Um, for academic things, um, I would say it's a toss-up between Thomas Kuhn's the, the Structure of Scientific Revolutions and um, the uh, Robert M. Piercing's Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Now, when you pick up the later one. Do not, under any circumstances, believe the sentence on the back cover that says, this is a book about how to live and how to live well. That is not in, not in any way what that book is about. This is a book about the metaphysics of quality. And the metaphysics of quality is exceptionally important and completely misunderstood. It has to do with what is quality in and of itself. As in, when I show you a terrible thing, a terrible design website and a not terrible website, why is it that you intuitively, without having any knowledge of web design, can see immediately and everyone can agree that one thing is good and the other one is bad, right? That's what the book is about. It's not about how to live well or how to relax or anything like that. So that's also something everyone should read. Very good. So we finished up the bottom line up front questions. We're tying it all together. Last phase here. We've got about three or four minutes to go. What do you enjoy doing on your off time when you're not teaching, coding, philosophizing dancing oh dancing very good yes i uh, love we started uh, my wife and i we started ballroom dancing seven years ago um that is something i should have started when i was 16 not really? 30 yes very that is good. life transforming that's all i can say i i'm i have a m musician background so i would have said that I, it's music but it's actually dancing dancing very very good so do you watch dancing with the stars i do 
Very good. Dancing Very good. With the stars. Yeah. Uh, so you're thinking of dance. If you follow me on Twitter, you can see me ranting about it all the time. It's kind of absurd, but yeah. So in closing, what's the most important takeaway from this interview? <laughs> from this interview? Uh, <laughs> both of them. Don't, 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 don't book you. Morton on podcast. <laughs> don't accept the invite from English guy. <laughs> Norwegian and the what is can the turn most Canadian. I got from a this interview. British guy turn a yeah drive on. Um, hmm. I would have to say <laughs> be generous. <laughs> There's always more to learn. That's what I'll say. That's good. There's always more to learn. What I do is actually I re I paraphrase what you just said. There's always more to learn, and we'll put it up at the front. So that's what I'm gonna say. Here's the point from this interview. There's always more to learn. Very good. So one last question and we're all done. All right. This is an important question. What's your favorite food? My favorite food. <laughs> okay. So if you travel to Norway, you have to go to Norway for this. You travel to Norway, um, you'll go to a restaurant and then you order um, reindeer medallion oh, with nice. red wine reduction sauce, oh, wow. uh, scalloped potatoes, Oh, and yeah. uh, those tiny little onions that I have no idea what they're called, the cocktail onions or whatever, the tiny little ones. The reindeer in, like the Scandinavian reindeer that the Laps raise, they are actually wild animals that can't be confined. Um, they have a completely unique taste to them. Uh, that combination, like the, mm. that dish um, is just amazing. Next time, I'm trying to figure out if I can go to Norway and buy that, <laughs> buy the reindeer meat and then bring it to Canada or if I'll get arrested for it. You know, all the tax, all the border guard people who are watching this will be like, okay, I'll write his name down <laughs> for next time it comes back. But that's, you know, that's my favorite food. Well, Morton, I want to thank you for coming on both Timelines of Success and WP Tonic. It's been an amazing interview. Can Thanks ask, for having can me. I, can I ask one last question? Then? Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. We'll finish up uh, with Jonathan. No, so what do you, what's your considered position, Morton, on Wittgenstein's first book, Traticus? compared to his book that was published after his death and his two theories of language. How would you quickly... Um... <laughs> quickly, what I would say is I find Tractatus to have a more compelling argument than his, yeah. second, um, his second letters. However, uh, I, can see the, uh, I can see the logical process he went through because he basically changed his status, his, his, um, his entire understanding of how people communicate in the second book. Um, so it's one of those weird things where because it's philosophy, the fact that he changed his mind doesn't actually mean necessarily that he thought he was wrong the first time. It just means that other information became available and his perspective changed. Like he, you know, he has one horizon of understanding and then based on ex experiences and exposure, understanding to something else. It's a bit of a paradigm shift, which means you can't like say Wittgenstein as of Tractatus and Wittgenstein after Tractatus are the same person. They're actually two entirely different people with different understandings of the world. So you can actually say, I agree with the first one and not the second one, or I agree with the second one or not the first one, and both of those are okay. He had good ideas. He presented them in a very inaccessible way uh, in his books, which is kind of interesting when you read it because you're like, why would he ever write it like this? Uh, but uh, I think philosophy of language 
has a lot of bearing on web development and web design because web development and web design, like I talked about in the other podcast, is actually about communication. And it's one of the things that often gets lost, this idea that the fact that we speak the same language and use the same words does not necessarily mean we're actually saying the same things or understand each other in any way. So we need to establish a language where I can ensure that when I say a word like hat or tree, you actually have the same understanding of that word in context that I do, which is impossibly hard when you're working on the web and you're communicating with people who could be on the other side of the planet and have zero shared experiences other than the access to the internet and the access to the same language. Oh, very impressed. You passed. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a. a I'll give you a. Water. I thought you would like that question, though. I, uh... Yes, that's an awesome question. Right. <laughs> that's. What are your listeners in the other side of your own country going to think? Is what you should be thinking. Well, thank you for listening in to Timelines of Success. We had a very unique two episodes with Jonathan and Morton. And I hope you enjoyed it. A little different. We'll probably get back to more of a routine here. We've got about uh, 20-some-odd interviews to clean up and uh, should have them all done in, in the basket by Christmas. Thank you for tuning in. Go to TimelinesOfSuccess.com to watch the video behind the scenes or WP Tonic or WP-Tonic.com. Additionally, you can go on your iPhone and you can tap the art on the timeline of success, tap the art, and I'll have the link behind there to pull up the YouTube presentation of Behind the Scenes. Again, thank you for listening in.